0: But what we do see is some of the models within our posters really come running up to us and saying how excited they are to be on this poster and -and so-and-so's friends, family, seen them up and they would, I guess, just like point out like, oh, you're famous now, you're a celebrity and so on. We've also had some of these people featured on our poster ask for some of these posters so they can distribute it to their friends and family as well. Hi,
1: everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston-Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today, we have two dynamic young professionals as our guests. We have Tammy Bui and Nehal Islam. Tammy and Nehal took a health promotion project from a course they did and applied it in the real world with amazing results. Today, they're here to tell us about their We Can Vax initiative. Grab your warm drink and let's get
0: to the episode.
1: Hi, Tammy and Nahal. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you so much for coming. Could you please start by introducing yourselves?
0: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, Nikita, for having us. My name is Nahal. I'm currently a first-year medical student at McGill. Previously, I completed my master's in epidemiology as well. I loved Montreal. I loved McGill, so I decided to stick around, really.
2: Nice. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Tammy? My name's Tammy Bowie, and uh, I'm a recent master's in public health grad from McGill. Uh, that's how I know Nihal. We are in the same classes together. And now I work as an epidemiologist with the Public Health Agency of Canada. Cool.
1: Congratulations. So Tammy and Nihal, we're talking today about We Can Vax. Can you please tell us what We Can Vax is?
2: So We Can Vax is a health promotion campaign aimed to really promote vaccine confidence, specifically COVID-19 vaccine confidence, in diverse and multi-ethnic communities in Montreal. So the community that we're really working with is Park Extension, uh, a multi-ethnic community uh, made up of 34,000 residents.
1: Why did you start Weekend Vax?
2: Weekend Vax originally started as an idea in a master's project. So in my master's of health promotion class, we had a challenge from Dr. Nana Banerjee, and she asked us to design a health promotion campaign. So we really could have chosen any idea like tackling diabetes, but we actually chose COVID-19 vaccine hesitancy or COVID-19 vaccine confidence, depends on how you look at it, because it was timely and relevant. So this idea really stemmed from a master's class that we took. But at the same time as this class, there was actually a Public Health Agency of Canada Vaccine Innovation Challenge, where they challenged groups across Canada to develop uh, a campaign idea. And that's what really kickstarted the community solution. It's pretty
1: cool. So it started from a class project and you didn't just leave it there. You decided, hey, I want to actually apply what I designed. And yeah. how did that go? How- did you already have linkages in the community? How did you actually get started?
0: So Tammy and a group of other college classmates had designed this proposal and it got really positive feedback from Dr. Banerjee and there was some excitement about that we could really implement this and really enact some change. Obviously it's there's a lot of steps involved in going from a project proposal to actually implementing it in real life. And all of these lessons were really learned throughout the process itself. I think the number one thing that really helped us out was the positive encouragement of faculty, of community members that we spoke to during the initial stages as well, telling us that this idea could work and it's something that we could work with. So it's really, I guess, a leap of faith, both on our end and in the part of some of our mentors and our sponsors and so on, and seeing that we could implement this program and we could learn along the way. It's not necessarily going to be perfect, but it'll be a great chance to see how we can really give back to the community itself.
1: Okay. Now, how long ago did you start the project uh, in the community?
2: Backtrack to when we had notice of the grant we submitted the grant back in february or march during like my course that we developed the idea in and then Fast forward to June is when we really took off because that's when we received notice of funding. So throughout pretty much June and July, we tried to build partnerships with community members because at the end of the day, we wanted it to be a community led program rather than us leading it as students coming from outside of the community and a community engaged one.
1: So, now, what have you learned so far about how to engage a community in a project like this?
0: I think I learned a lot of things, both about the community itself and about myself as well. And I think my biggest really takeaway was to just be malleable and just to be adaptable throughout the process. Our initial plan wasn't the plan that we eventually went on to implement. And some of the reasons that I initially had about why vaccine uptake wasn't as high as it could be wasn't the actual reasons within the community itself. So there was really a huge need for me to be able to open and be open about having these conversations and really seeing the issue from a variety of different perspectives. Again, the very nature of the program was to have a community-centered focus and a community-led focus as well. So it's really being able to take a step back and just like listening. And I think that was one of the biggest things. Just listen and take that as a huge learning opportunity and see how you can use these important things that are being shared by people who are volunteering their time to try and improve the program itself. So you really want to be as strong of an ally as possible. And so listening skills, number one.
1: Let's actually backtrack and describe what the project is. Tell us what exactly
2: (laughs) We Can Vax does. How does it work? Weekend Vax actually does a few things from campaigning, which is one component, and programming, which is another component. I I can speak a little bit about the campaign. So we have a social media campaign across Facebook, Instagram, uh, and Twitter, and some on TikTok as well, and then also a traditional poster campaign. So what we do is we feature the real humans of Park Extension on the posters that we put up in the community. And then what we also do is we ask them when we take their photo as to what is the reason why they got vaccinated. And different from your typical answer about, you know, herd immunity protection, what we received was, oh, I got vaccinated because I wanted to keep my clients safe. Coming from a business owner named Aladine in Park X. So really what we're seeing are varying reasons for why people are getting vaccinated outside of just overall general community protection, which is what works really different than the general, you know, government issued posters. So that that is how I think we are a little bit innovative in this sense, because we feature real people on our posters. How do you get those people?
0: It's really these like volunteers and These members of the community that really care about each other and really want to share why they got the vaccine and why they think it's really important that we all really contribute our part to receiving the vaccine too. And what we also noticed with people that we interviewed during the poster and photography sessions is trying to identify some of the barriers to vaccination. I think prior to us actually implementing the program, there was a huge misconception about People not necessarily wanting to get vaccinated, but rather it was a real, really big problem about access in terms of walk-in clinics that are open at a specific time when people are away from work, having accessible vaccine clinics. One program that we we were really grateful to really partner with throughout this time was also the Vaccine Initiative, which really brought some of these clinics to some of these neighborhoods that may otherwise have a difficult time busing and paying for the entire fare for the family to travel to uh, some clinic on its own. So to really answer your question, it is uh, stopping people in the streets, really speaking to them, understanding them as a human and the role that they fit within the community to try and identify how we can best uh, work together towards improving vaccine uptake.
1: I love that, Nehal. And I love that you also touched on your thoughts about why they weren't getting vaccinated was not the actual reason and how you (laughs) discovered what the actual reason was through interacting with them and asking them questions. How did you go about initiating contact with the community to start with? You have this idea, you want to start, who do you talk to?
2: That is a great question. So why we were lucky was that Dr. Ananya Banerjee actually had a mutual connection in the community. So Dr. Juan Carlos Sherguin is a family physician in Park Extension who mainly works with patients in the community as well as refugees and asylum seekers in Park X. So that is how we had our initial introduction with a healthcare professional. And then soon after this, we made introductions and then Juan Carlos connected us to Sasha Dyke, And he was a pivotal, I would say, player in connecting us with the rest of the community. So Sasha is the former head nurse of the Park X testing clinic. And now he works for the borough of Park X. So it was really great because he would introduce us to people in the community, give us a tour, a bike tour of Park X. So he was a really important factor in facilitating that relationship.
1: I like your humans of park extension idea. And I'm curious, have you gone back? So like now that you have someone's picture on a poster, do you actually take a picture of them next to the poster afterwards? Like, oh my gosh, that's me (laughs) up in lights. (laughs) Has that been happening?
0: So we haven't. Maybe we will steal your idea after this podcast, but we haven't done that so far. But what we do see is some of the models within our posters really come running up to us and saying how excited they are to be on this poster and -and so-and-so's friends, family, Seen them up, and it was, I guess, just like point out, like, oh, you're famous now, you're a celebrity, and so on. We've also had some of these people featured on our poster ask for some of these posters so they can distribute it to their friends and family as well. Because it's just so exciting, like seeing you within your own community led program and really like sharing that amongst each other. And I think it just really draws attention to that you recognize this face on this poster, and it is like a sign of comfort, a sign of like collegiality and so on so we maybe we will steal that idea (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) so you mentioned uh that social media plays a part you have this social media campaign so you've got your physical posters but then how does the social media aspect of it work
2: yeah so what's unique about i would say the posters themselves is we really want at the end of the day two things one for people to look at the posters and maybe identify you know with the posters you know relate to them in some way or maybe say ah that's my friend adil but at the same time we also have a little qr code for people to scan and then that's redirected to our website so that is a piece of the social media, I would say, because our website has links to how you can book your vaccine, more information on vaccine efficacy. So that is a piece. In addition to, we also have Facebook as a way of connecting with the Park X community groups. So what I discovered throughout this process was that A lot of the times there are private community groups, events and programming in Park Extension. So they really created this private group and then they let us join the group. And that way we get kind of an in on what activities they're doing. So, for example, we shared a poster of, you know, our vaccine campaign in their group and then we've had really positive feedback. And we've also had a little bit of insight on, for example, their Park X community cleanup. So that's something that We Can has participated in as well. So not only are we, you know, creating, you know, posters from the community, but we're also giving back in a way. Mm-hmm.
1: How many people is we? How big is your team? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so our team has grown. It uh, <laughs> first started with just Nahal and I, and now we have a total of, I think, about by the advisors, so experts from the community and academic advisors as well. And then we have a volunteer team of in total 12. So Fantastic. we really, yeah, and it's fueled by volunteers. So we're really grateful for all their help uh, with with the campaign.
1: Fantastic. So I guess one initial myth was, oh, they don't want to take the vaccine. But in fact, it turned out you know, maybe the clinics weren't at times that were convenient for them. Are there any other myths and misconceptions that you feel need to be dispelled when it comes to trying to increase vaccine uptake in multi-ethnic populations? I think
0: one other, I guess, I wouldn't, I don't know if we would call it a myth, is Mm -hmm. one of vaccine accessibility in general. I do want to acknowledge the fact that it has been very hard to coordinate the logistics of vaccination programs across the island and across Canada in general. But a lot of these uh, strategies have been population-based. And in that way, you don't really get to adapt some of these systems into these local communities that exist. And so some of the examples that we received is that so and so individual might work all the way in point Claire from 6am all the way to like 10pm. It's not your regular salary job going from nine to five. And so someone might say that vaccine clinics are open. Why isn't this person just going to the walk-in clinic? The problem is that the vaccine isn't really accessible, although you can look at all the metrics of uh, clinics per square meter and so on. You do have to really look at more details and look at the individual level experiences. So I do think one of the myths are that the vaccine in general was accessible, especially during that earlier stage. I do think significant progress has been made since then, and people have worked incredibly hard. I don't want to discredit that at all, but it's just been a very long process in that regard as well.
1: Anything else that came up or that you think is a misconception?
0: Another misconception is that we've really had these programs that have worked very well in the past. And so we see these TV commercials and billboards uh, plastered everywhere. But so I got this vaccine to save my grandchildren or my grandparents. But that's, again, like our very population level approach. It for sure, definitely, it's very likely that they work but it's not specifically tailored to especially diverse communities or very unique communities as was present in park extension itself. So I think a misconception is that we can have this broad level population level strategy and that's enough. We do really need to adapt some of these campaigns to these local community organizations. I don't think it's a myth on the side of public health. I think public health really recognizes that we do need to take a community-involved stance, including in things such as the Ottawa Charter and health promotion programs as well. I think it's more of a misconception if someone were to be critiquing spending when it comes to public health initiatives and so on.
1: Did you actually encounter anyone who was vaccine hesitant or I guess not sure? Like, oh my gosh, you guys just came up with this thing overnight. I'm not sure that I want it. And if you did, How did you alleviate their fear?
2: One example that was a bit striking to me was when we were taking photos on one day where the Vaxivan was in Park St. Rush. So we actually approached a teacher in Park Extension and we asked her, oh, you know, she was young, just like our age or maybe a little bit older. And we had asked, oh, is this your second dose? Just uh, assuming. But she said that it was actually her first dose, because she was actually quite, I guess, not as confident before. And she said that a lot of the reasons for getting the vaccine was her students, as well as, you know, her mom, who was a little bit older. So I think not necessarily, I don't know if we've actually come across someone who's truly, you know, hesitant. It was surprising, I think, to me that one encounter. And we were really like, you know, proud of her for getting her first dose and looking forward to her getting her second one, hopefully. But that was one I think that stood up, an experience that stood out to me the most when going to, to Park X, for sure.
1: What progress have you seen? Like, what are the results? Like, what was the vaccination rate before you entered the community? How is it looking now?
2: When we first started the campaign back in, I think June what we saw was the Park X vaccination rate for people who had one dose was lower than the Montreal average. So what happened over the course of, you know, two, three months was obviously we can vax. We rolled that out. In addition, there was a new opening of a clinic on 7101 Park, which increased the availability of vaccines. They had, you know, and a, like a lot of dates for the Vaxivan to enter the pockets of Park Extension to give out uh, vaccines at a park. So by the end of August, what we saw was Park Extension's vaccine rates for people who had one dose actually exceeded the Montreal average, which was incredible. Yeah, so we were absolutely thrilled. Obviously, we we can't take credit for it all, but we like to hope that we played a small part in in that vaccine rate going up.
1: That's really awesome. Nahal, what's next for we Can back
0: What we noticed when we were doing our initial set of interviews and just being involved in the community is that there is a tendency for people to feel as though researchers have a habit of packing up and leaving once things are done or once they achieve their objectives or so on. And I think what we really wanted to do was get away from that. I think we've developed some very, very strong partnerships. And on our side as well, we've developed some very valuable lessons that we really look forward to applying in some of our future public health ventures. And I think Tammy can really expand on some of the current things that in Vax has been doing, especially on McGill's campus too.
2: So definitely agree with Nahal that we're not leaving, you know, our technically our PHAC grant was supposed to wrap up by September 16th, but we're still going. So what's next uh, are a few things. So within Park Extension, we're currently exploring an art project with an organization called Art Extension. So Art Extension actually takes broken satellite dishes that are no longer used, but they're still up on buildings. And they contract artists from around Montreal to paint these dishes to add a little bit of color to the community. So what we've done was ask uh, Art Extension to partner with us on a dish for Weekend Vax. Something along the line, protection, and also a little bit a representation of like the multicultural tapestry of Park X. So we don't have an exact idea of what's going on this dish yet, but it's everything's in motion for this partnership. So that's next. And then we also have a really wonderful partnership with McGill University, specifically the student union, SMU. So we launched a campaign called Two Jobs for McGill with the same concept and idea of McGill students being part of a vaccine promotion campaign. And we've heard wonderful reasons as to why they got vaccinated, for example, going back to Red Path Library to study or going to their favorite cafe. So that's been really rewarding to see we can scale at this level. That's
1: really interesting. So I would imagine that the reasons why a student might not um, got, get their vaccine is different from someone in like the community of Park Extension. So for the students who hadn't gotten their vaccine yet, what was their reason?
2: I think what What was interesting is that conversation about pretty much like access and availability. Mm -hmm. What we noticed during this two jobs from McGill campaign isn't so much that they don't have their vaccines. What we noticed was some uh, of our international students had vaccines that weren't recognized by the North American government. So, for example, a lot of our Chinese international students had Cinevac. They were fully vaccinated. However, they could not participate, for example, in Frosh Week. And they didn't qualify for the vaccine passport. So I think that sparked a lot of questions about vaccine equity and recognizing you know, which vaccines count and which ones don't. So that's been an ongoing conversation. It's been resolved now, but that was definitely something that emerged during the two jobs for McGill campaign. Now, how was that resolved? So the Chinese international students can get a third dose of Moderna, Pfizer, either of those two, and then they would be eligible for registration for the vaccine passport. And I believe that's the case for other students, for example, Russian international students who had the, I think the Sputnik one. So I think that. That was the resolve or the resolution from Seius in that case. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Now,
1: I'm going to go back to you, Nahal, to follow up on a very interesting point that you raised, which is the community having a bit of concern that, oh, you know, you guys might be here to briefly study us and then ride off into the
0: night with your data set
1: <laughs> and leave us behind. Now, how did you alleviate that fear?
0: So number one, we weren't a research project, so that helped definitely. We weren't there to collect our data, pack up, and apply it elsewhere. Our data was really just these like communications talking to these people, and really investing that back into the local community. And I think just having a solid plan in the process and really explaining to them why we were there, what we were exactly doing, some of the allies and the community leaders that we were working with really helped emphasize that trust and really helped us grow that trust as we went on going forward as well. So I think that was a huge part of it as well. I think that concern about researchers taking their data and packing up may have been present from some other research programs that have been done in the past. Not to say that there weren't any great projects. Otherwise, there's uh, many researchers who have taken a very community, pro-community stance and just invested a lot of time and energy in developing these relationships as well. But I think it's really taught us a lesson about being wary and being really, really appreciating these concerns that people might have if you are coming into a community and wanting to. Uh, implement a research program and I think putting on my researcher cap as well it's something that I will also always keep in mind too if I were to take part in some sort of research program later on make sure that the people who are who have volunteered their time and energy to be part of my study understand what is being done to really benefit them going forward too.
1: Yeah, that's really, really important, especially dealing with communities of color because of all the history of things that have happened over the years that make them very hesitant. And it's,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah, and I wish that every researcher would do that in a sense, because if something goes wrong, you make it hard for all those who want to come after you and and do something. As we begin to wrap up, are there any closing thoughts that you both have that you want to share?
2: I just wanted to thank you for giving us the platform to talk about Weekend Vax in in such a nice way. I I think this offers a really nice opportunity to to fully tell our story um, in a way that I don't think it's been told before. So thanks, Nikita. My pleasure. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you guys.
0: I'd also like to thank you so much for letting us really share some of our experiences. One other thing I wanted to say is that It's been incredibly powerful just being able to inspire so many other students and just having so many of our volunteers, our friends, colleagues, and volunteers some of their time to help us out as well. And so, like our friends know, we know a lot of people, like Tammy and I are regular people we're just we were just students when we started this and it was just a class assignment to like just get as high of a grade as possible really (laughs) but like you, you tend to like care and really want to like make a difference in your community and you can definitely do that it doesn't matter if you're a student it doesn't matter if you have like two three jobs whatever like you can you can do it and there's all sorts of different people that can help you out as well and who really support you, such as yourself in making your voice heard and really spreading the message. And so, uh, again, it's been super, super inspiring being able to try and make a difference in our community and giving back.
1: Yeah, I I definitely am inspired by the two of you. I think your project is really cool. I love your initiative to get it off the ground. I feel like it's not every day you see somebody really like, take their class project and have impact in a matter of five, six months. That's pretty cool. So you you guys have done amazing. Do you need volunteers? Or if anyone was interested in participating, and are you still looking for volunteers? And how would they do that?
2: We are always looking for people to get involved with us. We're we're looking for people to help out with our social media. As if you live in Montreal, we need people on the ground to do community work with us. So always looking for people to to help us with the campaign and if you want to do so you can always reach out through info at weekendvax.ca I believe that's the right link but that is our email and we we would love to have people join. Now I
1: have one closing question. So
2: <laughs> Tammy you said you work full time and you do
1: weekend vax. Nehal is doing medical school which by all assessments, is a super time-consuming venture. How do you guys do your full-time activity and weekend backs? How do you manage it?
0: So you're not exactly wrong about medical school being very, very time-intensive, but very, very fun as well. And I think the same thing goes for weekend backs as well. It's just such, like, it doesn't feel it's a cliche again, but if you're having fun, it doesn't feel like work. And the same thing went for weekend backs. At the time, I was really trying to get my master's thesis in time, but Tammy and I always used to talk about how going into the community on Fridays or over the weekend seemed like almost like a vacation where we were able to get away from like our day tasks slash jobs and really try and do something else and apply some of our skills. And I also do want to add like just spending that time over the course of the summer, working within the community almost taught me more than I imagine I ever would within a class or anything of that sort that it would take. So to, again, answer your question, it's just being super like passionate about it, being wanting to really make a difference.
2: So I do work full time, but there is always time for weekend backs in my evenings. And what's really wonderful is coordinating with our team. So I would say that It is me that is completely driving all of the things that we're trying to deliver. For example, we have students who work on weekend backs during the day. So it's really about working together with our team and figuring out what works best with them and their schedule. So we have blogs posted during the day, oftentimes. That is kind of how the dynamic of the the teamwork uh, is like. And then on the weekends, as I mentioned, we go for the you know, park X community cleanups. Last week, we did a, a walking tour with Art Extension for their satellite project. So they launched that, uh, and we were invited to to do a little walking tour. So we always find a good pocket of time for for weekend vax. So it works out quite well. But mainly on the in the evenings is when I really do do the work. Aha! <laughs> uh-huh. I read
1: that. <laughs> I think you're having some sort of campaign on on social media with prizes is that so how does that work
2: (laughs) so we did actually host a campaign for youth and park extension because we were missing a population in our campaign originally and we thought okay like let's do something for youth, knowing that there could be a possibility that they get vaccinated. And yes, what we did was we challenged youth to submit a photo, video, TikTok as to why vaccines are important, not necessarily why they got vaccinated, because some youth weren't eligible. So what's the importance of vaccines? So we had, I think, one student or one uh, youth member tell us that i I think vaccines are important because I don't want to be stuck in bubbles at school anymore because I guess they had, you know, little bubbles that they couldn't really interact with their friends with. Some people, some of the youth told me that, you know, they got vaccinated so that they could go back to school because they were online for school. So this challenge, the incentive was if they submitted a video or a photo or TikTok, they would get free tickets to Chris Boucher, an NBA basketball player, his basketball, I think the, the beauty of the youth can was these tickets for these, this basketball camp that was one day was $150 a day. And that is groceries for some of these families. Like that is, you know, like two months worth of bus tickets. <laughs> so it's just an unfathomable price to pay for a one day basketball camp, but we are really happy that we could send, you know, for, for kids to, to this camp to, to let them really enjoy this experience with Chris Boucher.
1: Well, thank you guys for this amazing interview. I really enjoyed chatting with you both and learning about your awesome
2: initiative. Thank you so much, Nikita. It's always wonderful to chat with you as well. So thank you for asking us the questions that you know, got us really thinking, but also really showcased we can in a way that we'd like for it to be shown to the world. So thank you.
1: Thank you. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed learning about this initiative as much as I did. We recorded this episode late at night, and when I started, I was a little bit tired. But by the time we were done, Tammy and Neha left me so energized. I'm so excited for them and what they've achieved and their plans for the future. To learn more about We Can Bats, be sure to check out their website. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And consider subscribing to our mailing list. And I promise, I only email you good stuff. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye!